Hello, and thanks for listening to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter, here with my friend, Dr. Susanna Greer. Hey, Susanna. Hey, Joe. So you're about to hear an interview that Susanna did with an American Cancer Society clinical research professor, uh, Dr. Sean Morrison. So he is one of the leading palliative care researchers in the country. He's a professor and chair for the Brookdale Department of Geriatrics and Palliative Medicine at Mount Sinai. He's also the director of the National Palliative Care Research Center. So he talked with you, Susanna, about how COVID-19 is affecting New York City, his hospital, and especially older cancer patients. Yeah, Joe, this was such a great conversation to help us to understand. You know, Sean just tells us this is the biggest challenge we have ever faced, full stop. I love one of the things that he says, which is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about the past few weeks, is that, you know, cancer is scary enough all by itself. I, I really have thought a lot about our, our listeners who are facing cancer in this pandemic and within this pandemic. And this is this is a hard formula to deal with. And Sean walks us through what can we do? Um, how can we take care of ourselves? How can we take care of each other? One of the things that I love he shares with us are some really interesting strategies about how can we continue to support each other, communicate with each other. Social distancing is not easy. It is essential, but not easy. And he gives some really creative strategies. So I'll let you, I'll let you listen. Maybe that's my cliffhanger for today. Um, but I left this podcast just feeling that there are some really simple, effective measures that we know will help us in a time when so many things are unknown. So let's listen. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. All right, let's dive right in. These are uncertain times. I'd, I'd love to know what, what you have to say to people who think that all the media coverage of COVID-19 is overblown and exaggerated. What are your experiences? They're wrong. In a very simple word, they're wrong. This is probably the greatest world crisis that we have seen since the World War II and certainly of my generation. If we don't in the United States act right now and follow the guidelines from the CDC, which are washing our hands regularly with hot water and soap, using hand sanitizer when that's not available, not touching our face, keeping our hands below our waist, disinfecting high contact points often, and practicing social distancing, we will have a crisis of really unimaginable proportion in this country with the potential for many, many, many lives lost. If we do these things, if we do what we're supposed to do, we will get through this with much less death, much less morbidity, and we will come out of the other side much stronger. So in line with that, um, I know you're at Mount Sinai. Can you just briefly tell us how you are reorganizing to confront the epidemic? Yeah, we've, we have put in place a number of efforts to confront the epidemic, which really has taken hold in New York City. Um, at a general level, we have 
asked all of our patients who have routine appointments that don't need to happen right now to postpone them until we are through the crisis. We have canceled all elective surgical procedures, for example. Um, we have had to implement across our health system a no-visitor policy except for patients at the end of life, patients delivering birth, or children in our pediatric wards where we need to limit to one visitor. Um, we wish we didn't have to do that, and but we do. We have opened up as many beds as we can, um, particularly single beds, in preparation for the number of patients that we will be seeing. And in all of our ambulatory care sites, we have put in place um, screening at the door for respiratory illness or fever and appropriate um, precautions if patients tell us that they have one of those two things, either fever or respiratory symptoms. We've heard a lot in the media that the older we are, the higher the risk for complications from COVID-19 infection. Can you just maybe briefly summarize why in general is that the case? Yeah, I wish we knew. What we're, we're, we don't know a lot about COVID-19 because it's a novel coronavirus and we're learning more and more every day. What we do know, however, is that there are certain people who are at much higher risk for severe COVID illness than others. Most people will have mild symptoms, you know, cough, fever, and recover quite well without medical attention. There's a smaller group, however, that will develop much more severe illness, and that group appears to be two subsets. The first is older adults, those over the age of 60, that's where it appears the risk seems to increase, and those with an underlying serious medical illness, such as cancer, heart disease, diabetes, or lung disease. One of the questions that I'm getting asked a lot is, if I'm a healthy older adult, if I'm a healthy 80-year-old, is my risk less than if I had a serious illness or other medical problems? And again, I wish I had the answer to that. We just don't know. We do know that as age increases past 60, the risk of severe illness appears to increase with it. And related to that, it, it seems that what you may be implying is that the risk for complications from COVID-19 could be especially high for older cancer patients. Is that true? I think that's a reasonable statement. We don't know for sure. However, we would assume based upon other illnesses that an older adult with a coexisting serious illness is probably at greater risk. Let me just clarify because I, I, I've had lots of questions about this in the past few days. So would that extend, would that risk extend beyond the time of active cancer treatment? So if you are an older adult who is a cancer survivor, what do you think about their risk? Oh, th that is a very difficult and very good question. We just don't know. We just don't know. I think that it depends on the type of cancer that somebody had, the type of treatment that they incurred, and any lingering 
complications that they may be living with. And my best recommendation for those people is to contact their oncologist or if they are have the good fortune to be seeing a primary care doctor who has expertise in cancer survivorship, that's the person to be contacting because each person, unfortunately, is going to be an individual case. I guess I, I want to know what are some things we can do? So maybe let's go through a few things. If you are a patient, so if you're a, a cancer patient and you're in active treatment, you have an oncology appointment and you're deciding should I go, shouldn't I go, what types of, of things would you encourage people to be asking themselves? That's a very good question, and I think it's important for a minute just to step back and realize that the situation in New York is very hard right now and is going to get much harder, but the situation throughout the country is not, and that for most of the United States, we have the opportunity really to stop this and, as they say, flatten the curve. And there are things that all of us can be doing to make sure that happens. And then there are some special things that persons living with cancer should be doing because just because there's a COVID-19 pandemic doesn't mean that their cancer is going to go away. So we need to be able to take care of people who may have COVID-19 infection, and everybody else in this country who is also living with a serious illness and needs medical care. So what should we be doing? Everybody, everybody should be washing their hands assiduously. That means ideally hot water and soap for 20 seconds or the amount of time it takes to sing happy birthday twice. If you don't have access to hot water and soap, then a hand sanitizer with 60% alcohol. Don't touch your face. This disease is spread by droplets. And that means that when somebody coughs or sneezes, they produce respiratory droplets. If you're standing within six feet of somebody, you have a good chance of inhaling them. However, if those droplets land on somebody's hands and you shake hands with them, if they drop on a subway pole and then you immediately put your hand on the subway pole and then you take your hand and touch your face, your mouth, your eyes, your nose, you have just effectively transmitted that virus to you. Keep your hands below your waist. Don't touch your face. And disinfect everything that has you contact regularly. Keyboards, telephones, your cell phone, surfaces, and particularly in, in areas, and that is almost everywhere right now, practice social distancing where you stay six feet away from people. And in areas where there's widespread community, where there is wide, widespread community spread, um, like in New York City, there are special guidelines on Department of Health and CDC websites. What things that cancer patients who are living with cancer right now need to do? Number one is they need to stay with their treatment. And that means calling their oncologist, asking what are the procedures in place, and continuing to be treated as safely as possible. So, for example, at Mount Sinai, our cancer center is open for business. Yes, we have long tables set up 
in the front of the reception, and people have to check in and go through screening for symptoms of COVID-19. However, all of our oncologists are still seeing patients, and our treatments are still ongoing and continuing. So the first thing that I would say is contact your doctor, ask them how their office is handling treatments, and make sure that you continue. It's important to keep yourself as strong as possible. What I'm often getting a question of, what can I do to build up my immune system? And I wish there was a magic pill that I could give everybody to take, but there's not. However, there are things that people can be doing. You know, continuing to eat regularly, staying hydrated, exercising to the best of your ability. That's if you have a treadmill or you have a stationary bike at home, you know, take off the laundry that's drying on it, get on it and use it. Running, walking outside, again, practicing social distancing is really important. Trying to get what trying to get enough sleep, staying well rested. And I would also urge people that they need to try and keep the anxiety and worry at a manageable level. Everybody is going to be anxious. Everybody is worried. Everybody is fearful. That is really natural. I don't think there is anybody in New York City, certainly not me, who's not experiencing those feelings on a daily basis. And we have to take steps to keep them under control so that we can do the things we need to do to get through this pandemic. And so what are some of the things that you can do? First of all, limit the bombardment of news that we're getting. You know, it's important to stay informed. That is absolutely critical. But where you get your information from is also important. And the places we should be getting information from are the Center for Disease Control, the CDC website, the WHO, World Health Organization's website, your local Department of Health website, the American Cancer Society website. That's where you should be getting information on what precautions to take, what should you be doing, how, should, how do you prevent becoming infected with COVID-19, and as importantly, how do you prevent spreading it? There is a lot of misinformation going around social media. There's even some misinformation that's going around on some of the national news programs, yeah. much less. Check you know, Sean, in. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, you were beginning to share with us some aspects of what can we do to reduce anxiety and stress. And while I have you for a few more minutes, I want to dive into that, especially for the cancer and kind of the elderly cancer patient community, because when I think about this patient population, that community is so important in our social interactions. And it's in any time when, when cancer is the only concern, And now you're right. We are surrounded by, bombarded by is the word you use, which I think is spot on, um, some scary news. So have you thought about or do you have kind of creative solutions that you could share with our listeners of how they may maintain in a safe way 
social support um, during this time? One of the challenges of living through this pandemic is that one of the things we are asking people to do is to socially distance and for those who are at high risk of severe illness, people living with cancer, older adults, other serious medical problems, is to self-isolate, particularly in areas where there's wide community spread. And when you're living with a disease like cancer, it's scary enough. And then in this situation, not only do you have the fears of your cancer, but you have the fear and worry about living through a pandemic. And we're asking you to do that essentially by yourself. So what can we do to make that a little bit better? Um, the first thing is make sure that you're communicating with the outside world and the outside world is communicating with you. Families should be calling their loved ones regularly, and different members of the family should be calling and checking in. And those conversations should not be about COVID-19. They should not be about cancer. They should be about the routine things that are going on in your life. And what was on television the other day, or what movie did you stream? Focus on things that are practical, give you pleasure, and you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Second, video visits, particularly for, from grandchildren, nieces and nephews. Set up some regular video visits so you can stay in touch that way. Um, my kids are terrific at setting up video conferences and virtual parties. Do that um, and have people Set those up so you can, for example, have a card game virtually. <laughs> um, stream movies. Watch TV. Don't watch the news. Watch the news twice a day. There's not going to be something that happens between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. that you need to act upon that minute. It'll be okay to wait until the evening news or even later, to check on to see what's going on with COVID-19. And then the final thing that's really important, and particularly for older adults, is that we do worry about people becoming depressed. Mm. Um, not just sad, not just a little bit anxious, but really depressed. And depression is different in the elderly. Most older adults, or many older adults, I would say, don't experience sadness. Mm -hmm. What they experience is loss of appetite, mm -hmm. weight loss, overwhelming fatigue and tiredness, sleep disturbances, and sometimes memory problems. And if you're an older person living with cancer or you're caring for an older person who's living with cancer and you start to see these things, that's the time to call their doctor to make sure they know that this person, your loved one, yourself, may be coming depressed and that treatment might be indicated. Those are such great tools. I love the fact that you suggest a virtual card game and for family members to 
I, I mean, I'm sure I'm driving my parents insane calling them every day. So they'd probably really like to hear from somebody else. So other members of the family calling to check in and friends. Um, I think those are really exceptional ways that we can overcome this social isolation and anxiety. You have lots of resources at hand um, at Mount Sinai. I'm wondering if there are particular, and you, you mentioned the WHO website and our local health department and CDC. Are there, are there, is there anything else, any other resource that you would recommend, particularly for older cancer patients or those with other pre-existing conditions um, to refer to if they, we know that they'll call their oncology team, yeah. call their general practitioner, but is there somewhere they should go when they're thinking about decision-making um, during this pandemic? I do think that right now, and this will change, that the places they should go are really the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and their state and local Department of Health websites and the American Cancer Society. And the reason that I say that is the following. Things are happening very quickly with this disease. We are learning more and more every day. And as it affects more and more people in the United States, we're needing to take more and more measures to prevent spread. And the only places that I really know as, you know, a healthcare professional, a physician, somebody, someone who's right in the middle of this, where I can be sure that recommendations are up to date are those websites. That until we get a little more experience and we know a little bit more, I'm just not sure that the information that's out there is what patients and families need to hear or need to see. I know you need to go. And I think one of the things that you just said is that things are changing quickly. We all need to take more and more measures um, to prevent spread. And this is a chance that we can all do something, which I think is a really positive aspect of what is a scary and rapidly changing situation. So I think the last question I have is, what do you want all of us to, all of us to do to make the world right now as safe as possible for cancer patients and survivors? I think it's really straightforward. And what I want to emphasize, I think, more than anything with this pandemic is that we don't know a lot about COVID-19. We're learning more and more every day, but we don't know a lot. But we know how to stop it. And we know how to get us through the next months or however long it is with the fewest amount of deaths and the fewest number of people who are living with serious illness who don't have COVID-19 who can't access health care because of our stretched resources. We know how to prevent that. And it's very straightforward. It's the guidelines we're hearing from our public health professionals around hand washing, 
around not touching your face, around disinfecting and social distancing. What's hard is, they, as somebody said to me, well, you know, we know about this, but what do we really need to do? And the answer is, this is what we need to do because this will stop it. And that's hard for people to sort of in some ways get their mind around, but it really is that straightforward and simple. And for people who are in the high-risk groups, those who are older adults, those who are living with cancer, those who are living with other serious illness, they need to take even more stringent action around self-isolating themselves when there is community spread, like there is in New York City, being careful to limit, really limit, the number of people that they come in contact with from the outside world, and that's particularly hard when it's grandchildren and other relatives, young relatives that want to visit. And as importantly, keeping up with their medical appointments and keeping in touch with their oncologists because the last thing that I want is for somebody to live through the COVID-19 pandemic and not have had the right treatment that they needed during that time to either cure, slow down, or put their cancer in remission and they come out of this in a worse place than when they began simply because they didn't seek the right medical attention. Those are the things that we should be doing. Thank you so much, Sean. Your message is simple, it's straightforward, and for all of us, it's reassuring. We're grateful for all you and your colleagues are doing, so stay safe. Thank you very much, and you as well. <laughs>